are. Welcome back to We Gotta Talk About. This is Maya. This is Caitlin. Hope everybody is doing fabulous today, whatever day you will be listening to this episode. I could do the math, but we're not going to do that this morning. <laughs> it's, it's a big day for us to topic-wise, I guess we should say. We're going to be talking about, I guess, our version of some capitalism woes. Um, and then Maya's going to end it talking about the environment, which is very fitting because today is, let's say, Maya, Wednesday, September the 9th. 9th. Um, oh, it's my friend's birthday. Um, and you guys, California's on fire. It's on yeah. fire quite literally throughout the whole state. doesn't matter if you're north, central, south you are probably surrounded by fire smoke as we speak. Um, everyone kind of woke up today to orange and red skies. Everyone is kind of freaking out. COVID's definitely been very remnant of revelations and <laughs> the apocalypse and people have definitely gone crazy. Have you seen that on social media? Did you yeah, I've been, well, I mean, I also thought about that when everything like first started. I was like, it's happening, y'all. It's really happening. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I do think that that the earth will always be here even long after humans are gone. Like, do I believe this could be the beginning of human extinction? Possibly, yes. Um, my sister FaceTimed me this morning to show me Oakland because here in San Diego, it's overcast in a way that it isn't usually, and it's like a muggy overcast. Okay. So I assume it's from fires um, a little bit further north from here or possibly east, I don't know. Um, there's no fires like in my direct vicinity that I can see or like I can smell smoke or anything. Okay. My sister FaceTimed me this morning and she was like, just look, just look at the sky. And I was like, how do your students feel? Because like people's parents are just going about pretending like everything's fine. And like these kids aren't stupid. She teaches 12th graders, like they're getting ready to go to college next year. And like, they are literally sitting there with the world ending outside and everyone is just like lying to them saying, oh, it's fine. It's all going to be okay. And she was like, yeah, I literally asked them at the beginning of class. And I'm pretty sure I'm the only teacher that asked them, like, do you guys feel like the world is ending? And let's play some games. Like, let's not do a whole in-depth lesson on ethnic studies right now. I'm blessed because you know what? I think that is so necessary right now. I feel so bad for any student who has to go through their junior, senior year throughout like the last two to four years. It's mm -hmm. been a really weird time in America to be an American student, um, especially with COVID. Like, I was super involved in high school, so, like, not having a prom would have been a huge deal for me. Like, having a socially distanced graduation, like, I knew who I was walking down with for graduation since, like, I don't know, my freshman year of high school because I knew the guy since third grade. And like, we like just knew like, I don't know, just things like that. No, I was the same. The same guy yeah. was next to me my entire life. Like we were best friends in all of high school and stuff. So like, I knew that we were going to be graduating like right next wow. to each other sitting together. And they're just, but, I mean, thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, we as adults may think like, oh, you know, like at least you're alive. At least you can still go to school. At least you can do these things. But for a 15 year old, 16 year old, like that is their whole life. And we That's really, like, forget that we were kids and that we yeah. were teenagers and that we used to think this way. Like, just because you're an adult doesn't mean that, like, other people's perspectives are invalid. Just Yeah, or that you have to forget 
how good it can feel to be a kid and a teenager and to still have yeah. that innocence before the real world kind of just smacks you around a bunch of times. Before yeah, like, I'm so glad that teenagers are still like, oh, man, like, I can't have my prom. Like, I'm glad that that's actually something that they're worrying about instead of being like, the world's actually ending. There's no hope in the world, you know? Like, it, they could have a way worse perspective on things. Hey, because I'm telling you, I'd be a brat. I'm sure my parents are so thankful that all of that time is done for them because I'm sure they'd be like, all we would hear every day is Caitlin coming home or just being at home. Like, my plans are ruined. I can't be ASB <laughs> president like this. This is ridiculous. Like, I could only imagine the stress I would have put on myself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so yeah. It's a weird time, you guys. It's it's orange for me. So yeah, I think your sister, if she's Oakland, it's it's red out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's orange for me. So it is what it is. But let's dive in, I guess. So yeah. um I'm I'm gonna start this off with a personal account to kind of get us into this capitalism woes, which was Maya's beautiful terminology she kind of came up with as I was explaining to her kind of just what I've been feeling. Um so if you don't know me personally, or even if you do, you probably just don't know. My whole world's kind of just changing rapidly, I feel like. And it's not even because of COVID. It's just different major players in my life, their lives are changing, which in tune just gives me this ripple effect of like, okay, well, my world's changing because people are moving, you know, things are happening, people are getting married, engaged, and like, I have all these things happening. I now have a wedding that I'll be going to for a friend who had, we had a COVID ceremony with like, I don't know, 10 people Mm -hmm. um, a few months ago. And now we'll be still doing the original plan for St. Thomas in 2021. If all goes well, let us pray. It's not another situation of postponing and canceling. And then after that, that's March in September of that same year, my best friend of 15 years is getting married and I'm going to have to do all of those things. So I'm already just overwhelmed thinking about 2021 of terms of just like friends weddings. And it's only two. Like I know people who go to like four, you know, we have a mutual friend. He is like, he goes to weddings like once a month. Yes. He's like the forever wedding guest and groomsman. It's kind of like he's our, he's almost always a groomsman. So I'm just like, how do you know so many people who like feel that they know you so well that you're a groomsman at like 20 weddings a year? Hometown friends and his fraternity brothers. That's gotta be it. He's, no, it is. Yeah. He's our living life, real life version of 27 Dresses, the movie. That's literally, we have, anyway, off topic. But so yeah, guys, I've just been feeling really heavy. And I was going to kind of like paraphrase the exact messages I sent to Maya because I kind of just told her like I had a moment. And as we were talking about it, she was like, okay, let me, I think I understand exactly what you're feeling. And so I just told her that I just have this feeling like I'm not, or have this not feeling like you're enough slash doing enough in all specs aspects of your life. So that's personally, spiritually, physically, and socially. Um, and as we kind of dived in more of it, um, the kind of graphic that pops up in my head, I'm a visual person. I have an earth above my head and it's entitled Caitlin's world, but above Caitlin's world, there's a fat ass question mark and it's rotating semi decent speed. I feel like we're speeding up because I feel like I'm kind of falling off the train tracks. And it's just because things are changing. I'm not working because of COVID. So it's kind of at that moment now where because we don't know what kind of federal government monetary assistance we're going to get since it's now been six months and we saw that one time check in May and that was it. Um, 
I'm now at that roadblock where I have to find work and it needs to be remote work because I'm, I'm still not comfortable enough putting myself at risk right now to be deemed an essential worker and be out there. My boyfriend has been an essential worker this entire time. One of us is enough. I just don't want to compromise my home like that. Then we move forward to just like spiritually. I just feel like there's just been, a, things are really happening. I've been getting more into just like the planets and kind of these phases that have been happening, I've been trying to be very aware of like retrogrades just so I can watch myself because I've kind of been a person growing up. I was like a Murphy's Law kind of girl. I was like, oh, something falls apart. Murphy's Law. But it's like, no, not always. Like there can always be some other factors involved. I can't just like write stuff off to like, oh, darn it, that one law from thousands of years ago that that one old white guy came up with is the reason why my life is falling apart right now. No, that's definitely not the case. And then I just told my, like, I just feel like I'm not doing enough because I'm very idle. I'm sitting at home every day. There are some days where I don't leave the apartment for like two or three days. And I have to be reminded like, hey, you're a plant. Go outside and get some fresh air and some sun because you're literally just debilitating yourself being stuck inside. And while it's okay to kick back and relax and like enjoy this time if you're not working, you know, it's still very important to be productive and it's still very important to work on things that make you happy and to involve yourself in those activities that you can right now for that. And I felt like I was dropping the ball. Um, it's, it's like, I was trying really hard. Maya and I were actually talking about promoting the podcast and it sounds like something super easy for someone like me who feels like they spend a lot of time on social media until the last two months when going on social media literally makes me so exhausted, so upset. I cry, I get angry, like, I don't want to be on social media. And so it's kind of hard when it's like, you have this passion project you're doing, you know, you've got to promote it, you know, you're trying to get the word out. And then I'll like spend five minutes, I'll be like, this is nice. Look at this nice post. Oh, this is nice. This is so lovely. Oh, this is great. And then boom, all it takes is like five minutes. And then I just see one like dumb ass, like what the fuckery, like, and then my mood is just ruined. And I can't allow... I don't know. I don't even feel like social media is real at this point anymore. I feel like we're all just kind of like talking into like empty circles and just like hoping someone like sees it and takes the bait. And like, I don't know, social media is just weird to me right now. But Maya was very smart and telling myself like, you are trained to feel this way. Like being idle is making you feel like you're not doing enough because of the world of capitalism of what we are a part of for our society as Americans there are European countries that have four day work weeks and they've been doing that for generations and they are thriving. It's not an issue for them. Their economies are booming, but yet for some reason here, like we don't take that into consideration. I mean, we've heard that Facebook and Google and really big companies are like this remote work thing is fantastic. No one has to put in the effort for an outfit for work. Like you just look semi-presentable neck up and you can handle whatever you need to at home and they're talking about not even letting half of these people come back into offices, even if we ever live in a post-COVID world, because it just doesn't make sense and it works for them now. So now you're going to be talking about, I don't know, is that going to affect us with like traffic? Is that going to affect, you know, I don't know, it's going to have ripple effects. But anyway, to get back on point is more of just, I feel very inadequate right now because I'm not working and I shouldn't. And I shouldn't allow myself to get down and out on myself about the fact that Capitalism is a disgusting drug that we've all literally been taught to just digest. And I, I notice it when I talk to like my parents or when I see Facebook statuses of people in their 50s, their 60s, their 70s. We have to remind ourselves that our parents 
their parents and their parents were all conditioned into you do whatever it takes to keep food on the table mm-hmm. because our great grandparents and great great grandparents were part of the great depression. But what we're living through right now is worse than what they went through. So like, I can only imagine how bad it was. Cause when you learn about it in school and you see the pictures and the videos, it, it does look nothing like it looks now, but it was also a time before we had half the things we have now. So things are always just going to be different, but you know, I have to sit down with my parents a lot of times and be like, look, I know you think I'm crazy for wanting to quit this job that pays me a great salary for being, you know, a 20 year old, but I'm not happy, not being treated right. I'm not being compensated fairly for all the work, energy and effort I have to go go into. Oh, and also it takes me an hour and a half to drive 10 miles because traffic is so bad and my area is so overpopulated that I spend three to four hours of my day getting from point A to point B. Like you do that after a while, it debilitates you. I don't know how people can just like deal with that. I don't know if people are like looking forward to that in their life. Like they're excited about the fact that they get to like have long commutes, be around a lot of people. Definitely <laughs> like, not. Sit in an office for eight, nine hours and then go to home, you know, cook, be with your family, whatever you need to do and then do it all over again. Um, it just seems weird. I don't know. And I refuse to kind of just like fall into the cycle. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that. They think it's irresponsible. They think you like don't care enough about your well-being or livelihood by doing that. But I'm trying to take care of my mental and physical by being someone who's aware of like, if I'm in a certain situation professionally, that's not fulfilling me in more areas than just financially, I should walk away. I'm not a person who's just going to stick around for money. Like if that was the case, I could become a sex worker and probably be really good at it and just like do things, get money for it. And then just like take it off my mind at the end of the day and just go about my business. If you do that, kudos to you. And a a reason why a lot of people even go into sex work in the first place is because they are supporting families. Like they need the money and And sometimes they are disabled or like have some health condition or something like where they can't go into an office like they don't have the privilege of working a regular job and they also don't have the privilege of like not having to worry about paying bills for a whole family and no matter what they tell you discrimination in the workplace is as strong as ever in the hiring process and the onboarding process to your entire longevity somewhere i don't care what they're telling you about affirmative action discrimination all these oh well these hrs are you know getting more training and and we're training everyone it doesn't matter you can't change people's mindsets and mentalities unless they want to be changed so like all of these are factors and so this you know Okay, great. So what if I do get a job, Maya, and it's a remote work job? And now it's like, well, I've got to spend eight to 10 hours of my day now on a laptop Monday Mm -hmm. through Friday. So now what does that mean for me? That means this podcast, that's been like a huge part of me for the last two months that has been very therapeutic and like helped people has to be pushed to the back burner. And now we've got to completely revamp our recording schedule. And that's going to make Maya have to edit completely differently. And it's going to push back into her life avenues. And it's like all these things. And that's just from having a job to sustain myself for a livelihood. Like you've got to put your passion stuff to the side. And it's just really shitty that that's the way the world works that we live in and that we're just told to be okay with it. And that your feelings aren't valid when you feel like you're about to walk off a ledge because you're like, I've got to decide if I want sanity or money. And why, why can't those things be completely like interchangeable things we can have together? So we're here to talk about it. And we're here to tell you guys, you know, you've got to notice when capitalism just like succumbs you it's, and it's okay 
to be someone who's been overtaken by it. Is there a stigma? I think there's a stigma. I think we are full- A stigma um, against capitalism? Yeah, that people think yeah. it's like this beautiful little package that the government and businesses and corporations created and tied with a bow and gave to us. And they're just like, you got to just work with it. It's like, but everybody just can't work with it. Yeah. I mean, And like the U.S. is built on the foundation of capitalism is just like exploiting labor for money like it's basically how much product can you get based on the least amount of money which is why we've had so many different ethnic groups that have worked in this country for little to no money for so long like that's why and that's why europe is so rich and is able to have the flexibility and like this lifestyle and this kind of work ethic that they have is because they stole resources from every other country in the world and they did it purposefully like they had a meeting where they were like we're gonna go and take over the whole world we've mapped out these places you know your country goes there my country goes here we take these resources these people aren't human so the entire system of capitalism is built on that it's like how much can we get out of you while paying you the least amount of money Exactly, And what ends up happening is like, because the US and Europe work based off of this system, and they are exalted as like the leaders in the world, it's then like, held up on this pedestal of like, oh, like, I can do so much because of capitalism, like, oh, like, I can be an entrepreneur, or I can be like a graphic designer, or I can work in tech, like, they, they claim like, oh, you know, You can do whatever you want. There's so many different avenues to go down. And that is partially true because like the U.S. does like steal resources from other countries so that we have the ability to be able to do those things. So then it's like, at what cost am I doing the things that I like am told I want to be doing? Like we're trained from such a young age, like, oh, you know, like get a viable career, do something that like makes you money and also like can be a good stepping stool like you want to move up the ladder and it's just like this ploy to make people like work as a part of this machine and kind of like slowly chip away at your humanity and your sanity so that you can just keep on working and stop complaining because if you've worked for so many years and like never thought about yourself and never thought about your passions and never thought about your hobbies and have just been working and working and working why would you ever question why you're doing what you're doing yeah, if you're you providing for people as a result yeah. of doing that? That's so true. You would never question it. And and that's and I think that's probably the one thing my parents hate that I realized while I was in college was that um, I I grew up having only like three professions I had ever really wanted to do. When I was in elementary school, I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I got into middle school, learned about law, and I was like, oh, defend like defense attorneys you got me all the way messed up there's no way I'm just gonna lie for someone just because they're paying me big bucks like no and then prosecutors I felt like were just always gonna have their lives like a target on their back and like were you ever gonna be safe depending on like how high up you moved anyway then it moved into therapist I was like great I help all my friends everyone calls me like the Oprah like you come to her she's gonna give you an answer Caitlin has all the I'm a true Taurus y'all you come to me for all the advice I'm gonna give it do I take it myself Hell no. But that's <laughs> then I, you know, became truly obsessed with sports. And I was like, sports journalism is my jam. 
this is for me. I love, I love to read. I love to digest and just like, I thought this was the best avenue. And then I hit college and San Jose State's journalism program is one of the better programs on the West coast. I will admit that, Mm -hmm. but that does come along. I got there, I think at a a bad time when impaction had just started being infiltrated into the education system at San Jose state. Um, the school loads kind of doubled in a way it's weird. Cause like the courses you took didn't really change, but just like the amount of work it took to then graduate, like internships became requirements. Um, there were all these hurdles that kind of got put in front of you to make it a little bit harder for you to get out in a four year time scheme. Um, and for someone who wanted to work and make extra money because the money I was getting monthly from my loan money just didn't seem enough for me. Like I couldn't do both. And then I realized, wait, I just did this for 12 years of my life in school. I woke up every day. I went to class. I did work. I came home. I did whatever work I had to take home with me. And then I was, you know, athletic and had practices and like fit in my workouts around my work. And then I'm coming to college. I'm doing the same thing to do what? Then graduate, go find a job and do the exact same thing for the next 20 years of my life. I'm like, when will I stop? And then I realized you won't. There is no stop. Like if you're someone who is built for the system of schooling into work, that's why we're not learning about credit. That's why we're not learning about taxes. That's why we're not learning how to balance checks, checkbooks. They're trying to engineer us into being okay with being somewhere every day for eight to 10 hours, incorporating your quote unquote interest into that same scheme, athletics, clubs, whatever the case may be. And then you do that for, what, 16, 18 years of your life, depending on what profession you want to go into. I was like, I got to break the cycle. I can't do this shit. Just because I love an avenue of sports journalism doesn't mean that I deserve to be, like, locked away in production rooms for 15-hour days, having no social life. Like, would I have money? Sure. But would I be happy? I don't know. Would I? If I was working for my favorite team, sure. But, like, was that going to be? And then... I had a mentor who told me, you know, you could really work out well if you wanted to work for the Cowboys, you know, like you are great. You've got great opinions and vision, but like your Twitter would not be allowed. Like you would need to like delete your tweets and like start. Yeah, God forbid you're opinionated. And I'm like on my own personal private Twitter, like still wouldn't matter because it could be traced back to me and then used against me and then therefore used against the organization. And Mm -hmm. I was like... And this organization's in Texas, like Republican is all get out. So basically no one's going to agree with anything I have to say personally. Why would I want to put myself in that environment? Yeah, it's a dream job, but it's a dream job that I would end up hating. My whole passion for it would probably leave because I'd be so concerned every day with my public and personal appearance to others. God bless people who work in social media. I honestly don't know how people do it. I would be so up my own ass on judgment and just like how I'm being perceived. I don't know how anybody can kind of get by. I don't know. um, My brother-in-law does social media. Sure, honey. Well, he already is a very, he's incredibly smart. He has so many opinions. Like he is very anti-capitalist, very anti-patriarchy. So he's been like a die hard, like you see his baby pictures and he's been a fan since day one. Yes. 
So for him, and it's so funny, this idea of like a dream job, like for a lot of people, including him and you, like you have these things that you see growing up that you're like so passionate about. And you're like, I would love one day to work for them. And then you do it. And like, he sits there making one graphic for so long because he's like nitpicking everything. Yes. And I'm like, dude, and he already is just a very, he's a very cautious person. He cares a lot about what other people think because he cares about other people a lot. He doesn't want to offend people. Right. Um, but there's so many different types of people that are like on social media watching one platform that it's like impossible to please everybody. Yeah. Um, and I just think about it like, it's so funny because when I moved home, my parents, and like you were saying, um, your parents have a lot to do with like how you perceive careers and jobs and like what you're going to do with your life. And I think a reason why a lot of us have a hard time in college is because we finally realized that we're not actually in school for ourselves. We're really there because like our parents and society has told us to be there. Right. Um, and I noticed that I barely graduated. I barely got a degree because I really did not want to be there. I really barely went to classes the first two years of school. Um, yeah. And so like I realized that I just never, I never really knew what I wanted to do. And when I moved home, I asked my mom, I was like, when I was a kid, like, what did I, kids always say like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be this. Or like, people will ask you and you like answer like, oh, I want to be a nurse. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a firefighter or whatever. I was like, what did I used to say as a kid? Because I'm so curious as to what my beliefs were back then, because she always tells me, she's like, the way that you guys were as kids is the same way you are now your personality, like your core personality does not change just because you're an adult. Like you are the same person. There's just like other factors, you know, like you learn things, you go through trauma, you know, like people pass away, all this stuff. Right. So I was like, what did I want to be when I was a kid? She was like, you never said, you never said you wanted to be anything. (laughs) And I posted about this before because like, there's, um, there's some tweet that like, you know, circulates randomly because it goes, you know, viral every time where okay. it's like what do I want to be I simply do not dream of labor and I always I repost it every time because I'm like this was literally I cannot believe that this was literally me as a child I was like I don't have a dream job I don't want to work that's so funny you say that because you, you guys know I love making connections to Maya and my mother because they're cancers with the same birthday because I find that interesting I'm convinced my mother felt the same way I don't think my mother ever wanted to work I don't think she probably ever really thought that she'd ever need to kind of work. And I think work to her just became like, I have a lifestyle I want to maintain in order to do that. I need to make money. So let me find something that won't make me want to rip my hair out. And my mother worked her way up in banking and got really high up in banking before she, you know, we moved to California, she'd be a stay-at-home mom. That's interesting you say that because I do think there are I know a lot of cancers like that, actually. Where you like they have a certain lifestyle that they want to maintain. And that's why they work. It's not Mm because they want to. It's not because they dreamt of this. This was nothing on your radar. This is not a part of your life plan. This isn't this is a means to an end of your happiness. Yeah. And I think I have a different like I've never really thought of work that way. And I've never allowed myself to give into that because I see how my parents and specifically my dad has been like, because he's Indian and it's a very cultural thing of like, you have to go to school, you have to get a degree. He got a PhD in freaking chemistry for what dude. Um, and like works all these jobs and all he does is complain about work. Like he hates working. And I'm like, 
I don't know what to tell you because he also complains about like the younger people at his job and how like, oh, you know, 20 year olds, it's really hard to keep them. And I'm like, we've all realized that like, if we really want to do something and we're really passionate about it, we need to just put our focus on that and make that happen and worry about the money later. And a lot of us are really lucky because our families have been established here for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, that we do have the privilege of like, I can explore some things because I don't have a family. Most of us live at home because millennials can't even afford to rent at this point. Yeah. A lot of people live at home. A lot of people, you know, live with roommates. They don't have high expenses um, because we're not having kids as early either. And so like, we do have the privilege of exploring that. And so I always like had more of the mindset of like, why don't I just do the things that I really like doing if I need to work because I'm at a certain place in my life that I need money I'll do that. And if not, like, I just hope that whatever I decide to do, like the opportunities will come based on like my passion and my skill and my talent. And literally like just on Monday, some girl randomly hit me up on Instagram and was like, I follow your Corazón Resiliente page. I know like one of the girls that you work with. I really love your graphic design. Um, I would love if you would like come and sit in on like a meeting and do some graphic notes like that. Like let's discuss. So it's just like things like that do end up happening. Like the opportunities do come if you really like push the things that you want to do. If you're sitting around and being like, oh, like I'm so miserable. I hate this job. And you're not doing anything outside of your job, which I know is really difficult for a lot of people. Don't give, that's the thing. Don't give into capitalism to the point where like you're only doing your job and you're not doing anything outside of that, like that in itself is giving into capitalism. It's saying I'm nothing more than this job. And that's why it's so wild to me that society puts so much pressure on obtaining a degree because Mm -hmm. I think of our own community of San Jose State alumni and I think of how many people are working tech sales jobs that have nothing to do with their degrees. And everybody from communication, everybody that I was in the department with. And people are still working in these avenues because it's good money if you hit your quota. But then when you don't, you're struggling, you're suffering, you're freaking out. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, why are y'all staying in these avenues though? Just because we live in Silicon Valley doesn't mean you have to be a part of Silicon Valley like that. And also remember, you're in Silicon Valley. How hard must it be to sell tech and products to people who already have the techs and products? You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, because most of those people get it from for free from their tech job. You feel me? So I'm just, I'm very <laughs> confused because I'm just like, I feel like you guys are making it harder on yourselves. And that's just one example. And I'm not trying to hound, you know, the sales community. I worked in sales in regards to property management, renting apartments, felt really a part of gentrification, felt really depressed when I couldn't hit my quota. I didn't get that extra five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. Like, I mean, shit, but it's just so interesting because I'm thinking about how my parents, my parents don't have college degrees. They both went to college and never graduated. So there was always just this perception, like I was going to be the first Tatum to get the college degree. And then it didn't happen. And then my parents always kind of treated, I think, their careers as like, we're lucky to have them because we don't have degrees. And we've worked our ways from the bottom all the way. I remember my dad finally made six figures. It was a huge deal because everyone growing up always saw me as like the spoiled girl. But I was like, no, my parents just only have me to worry about. And we're living on a military salary with free rent and free health benefits and everything. We literally only have to pay for food on our table. Like that's just Mm -hmm. the way the world was for us at that time. 
And then I was like, y'all thought I was spoiled then. Like, shit, my dad's got freaking commas. Like, what the heck? Like, this is a big deal. And then I, I put all that into perspective because my dad's, I think, always enjoyed his work. He just hasn't always enjoyed the company he's kept at work. He's been around a lot of problematic people, a lot of power-hungry individuals, people who don't always, you know, see his talents for what they are. And I think that's what's been hard for me. Or like when I hear my mom complaining about work, it sounds like she just has so much to do and so little amount of time. And I don't know how well she's getting paid for it. Both of my parents now have secret clearances with the government. So I actually don't know what it is they do on a day-to-day basis. But I just see how tired my mom is from work. And I'm just like, damn, like, why do you have to keep doing this? But it's like I said, she has a lifestyle she wants to maintain. And now she works five minutes down the street from her house. And she left NASA because NASA was an hour and a half commute. And she was like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. Like, if I'm going to work and be unhappy with my work, I might as well be five minutes down from my house. So at least <laughs> I'm not sitting in traffic. Because, you know, you got to give and take on, like, what aspect of capitalism you're okay with dealing with. Yeah. To reap whatever rewards or benefits you're getting from being a part of that world. And I think what Maya said was really beautiful about, like, focusing on your passion and just like the money will come later. I know so many millennials who are choosing to live with their parents because their parents do have the means to help them out so that they can focus on these small businesses. Every time I FaceTime my parents are like, are you moving to Florida with us? Are you just going to move in with us and just like do whatever it is you need to do for your life? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't need to. Like if I need to, I'm down and out. That's my last resort. I will pack up my things and I will come be at home until I'm 30 and like figure my shit out. I'm not there. I hope I never get there. And it's not that I don't love my parents and wouldn't love to see them every day. It's just like, that's not an avenue I need to take right now for my own personal journey. And yeah. I'll just leave it at that. But and it's like- a hard thing to do. It's really, really difficult to move back home. And I'm by far the most independent of my sisters. And yes. I have always been the one that like, I worked multiple jobs on purpose so that I never had to move on home. And this situation for you hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows. Like you've definitely had moments. Horrible. Yeah. (laughs) I hate living here. And it's not because I don't love my parents, but it is just like so much. It's a lot of pressure when you live with people who grew up poor in third world countries. Like my dad works because he grew up with literally nothing. And he tells me stories all the time that like break my heart of like how he used to go to school and everyone would make fun of him because he would only have one pair of shoes because his parents couldn't afford more than one pair of shoes for him. And like my mom, when they moved here, it was just like her mom making money because they left their dad. And like, she was working on one income. She worked multiple jobs in New York city, like illegally in the factories which like we all heard about like the stories of factories getting raided randomly so like she had to take a huge risk to support three kids in new york city and like they were on food stamps and all this stuff and so like for them they see me doing like all these creative projects and not making any money from them and they're like you're doing all this work and you're busy all the time when are you gonna get a job when are you gonna like make money from these things and i'm like i understand that they want me to have like some fallback and like emergency funds and you know I understand all of that but I'm also like I just don't even tell them most of what I'm doing because I know that they don't they won't understand and I get that they won't understand because they grew up in a very different world than me they grew up like worrying when you grow up worrying about money like you hold this trauma in your body of like I have to work 
so that I never have to feel like I don't have enough. And it's the immigrant mindset we talked about a couple episodes ago. It's just a different way of thinking when you're first generation and you're coming here for a better life. Things look completely different to you than families who've been established here for generations. Yeah. And and you're the product of that. And like you said, like, I don't know. And I just, it's interesting to me why people want to buy into capitalism so much when we all have those facets of just like unhappy, what am I getting? Yeah. And like you talk to people and we all have the same stories of my shitty boss and, you know, that girl that I work with who's super racist and wants to touch my hair. And, you know, that one guy at my job who talks down to me because I'm a woman or because he just thinks he's better than me. And the funny thing is, because you were talking about your parents not having degrees, is like my parents have been through the same shit as your parents. And my mom has a master's and my dad has a PhD. It does not matter. It does not matter. If your parent is black or brown, like they're still going to be mistreated at work. And my mom, like it was a huge deal for us too when she made six figures and she told us, we were like, wow, like that's awesome because we saw her work so hard. And like she, she switched careers when she was 40. Mm. She's been working in her current field for like 10 years. And now she's finally a director um and she used to have to travel all the time because she works in clinical trials yeah. so like when she first was getting started she was like I have to prove myself I have to work really hard so that I can like finally get to that level that I want to be at because if she had stayed in her old career she would have been a director like many years ago um she would have been way higher up and she was like I just don't enjoy this work so she switched so like she sometimes does understand like my mindset of like find what you really like doing because she does really enjoy this work and I'm really happy for her that she enjoys it but she's still literally the other day she was like realizing all of this stuff like one of her friends is leaving her job and she was talking to her about all the stuff that she went through at the job Mm -hmm. my mom was like it's just really disappointing because I really enjoy my work and I do really like my company and like the people and there's nothing that I have really to complain about but it's just like they are the same as every other corporation like it's a boys club this one guy like has been promoted so many times just because he's a white guy and he knows the CEO. And she's like, it's just not any different from any other company. Like, how are we different? And I was like, well, you're not like, it's just a capitalistic system. Like you can't realistically have morals when your whole goal is just to make profit. There's just no way you can do both. And I mean, guys, we have to think about it. I think I, I think Bernie Sanders just tweeted out the number today, and I think it's like seven hundred and twenty-nine billion dollars. I don't think it was trillion; it had to be billion. We're made from the wealthiest people in this country during this pandemic. And what did you get besides your normal every two week salary, or your twelve hundred dollars that one time six months ago? Yeah, and I mean. And it's crazy, like, I'm praying things work out in November because Bernie's plan right now is to give every person $2,000 a month, back pay it to March, and then still provide us with, I think, like a one-time, like, $3,000 check. And, like, that's what you, that's what you get for COVID-19. And I know people, so a lot of people don't deserve that money. I know a lot of people don't need that money. But there's so many millions of people that do. And I'm thinking about the people who have just been like laid off and got kicked out of their houses. I mean, certain counties opened up courts so that evictions could resume. Mm -hmm. And there's this horrible story in Houston of this white cop 
who's just banging on doors, kicking people out. And there's a Mexican family, two kids. And he was like, we just wear the same clothes every day. Our kids have like two changes of clothes. I got their diapers. I got some food, but we don't have a car. We don't have anywhere to go. So we're just homeless right now. And then the next video was an elderly woman in her 70s sitting in a chair in 90 degree heat in Houston, Texas. And as the guy who's a Mexican, he like is contracted by the apartment complex is like moving her belongings out. He's just sobbing. He's like, this could be me. This could be my mother. This could be my sister. Like, what am I doing? And like, how is this okay? And then the cop literally was just like, I can't kick her out. He was like, I'm gonna have to call the social service person and like figure this out and give her like a 24 hour. And they're like, that's all you get is 24 hours. But like, you got to come back tomorrow and kick her out again. And I'm like, how are we allowed to live in a country like this? And like, people think that who they vote for isn't important. People think that there's a certain side of a ticket that actually cares about generating wealth for all and like making sure we all have basic human stability. And it's just not the freaking case. I just, and I- It's not. And it's The sad part is that like, people think that because they work in a, it's, it's like with cops, you know how some people are like, oh, like I've had good experiences with cops. Okay. I think of capitalism exactly the same because it's all part of the same system. Right. Yeah. Or like people think because, you know, I get these benefits, um, you know, I have healthcare taken care of, I have like subsidized housing or whatever benefits you may have through your company. They're like, oh, these companies aren't that bad. But at the end of the day, like those companies do not care about you because everything in this country is for profit. They don't actually care about people. And when you think about the politics in this country, like people treat politics like it's a sport and like it's not people's lives on the line. I and I don't believe in the two party system and I don't believe in whatever system we have because it's not democracy. No, it's but I still go out and vote because I know that like even if I'm not seeing some particular thing, me voting for somebody on the local level especially makes the huge difference for somebody else who's struggling to pay their bills, who can't support their family, who needs subsidized housing, who needs low income housing, who needs food stamps. Like I don't care Mm -hmm. how much taxes I have to pay as a single person who doesn't have a family to support. If that money is going towards a program that's helping people with whole ass families who make 30k a year with like seven kids like I don't care where that money goes voting does matter but at the end of the day like all the people that are in the office are also being bought out because they also care about money because that's what they're taught to care about in this country yes and our tax doll I mean we're paying for these politicians to take these breaks I think they're just now resuming after their Labor Day weekend break where we still didn't get that second stimulus package approved on so get buckle up folks for your social media shitstorm because we're going to be going through a whole nother round of bs be way different if your paycheck came from the fucking federal reserve because that's what it was allotted for like your constituents are the reason why you have these seats and where where the money's coming from do your damn job how much nicer would it have been for all of those politicians to just put their bullshit to the side agree on a package and you could have enjoyed your holiday guilt-free they're going to enjoy it regardless guilt-free because they're taken care of and that's the mm-hmm. freaking problem yeah they and that's why it sucks that like we just treat it as like some sport and some game and people are like oh republicans like you're either 
you know, a patriot or you're a communist? Like, why are those the only two things we're allowed to be? Why does it have to be this competition of like, who can be worse and who can be more moral and all this stuff? And it's like, the system is already not just, it's already immoral. There's no values there. And yet we're allowing people to like make this some reality TV game where we like watch people in Congress just like go at each other. Like, it's not funny to me. It's not entertaining. It's not. And it's, and it's just debilitating to those of us who have to rely on specific services to get by because, again, there is no shame in your game for wanting to have a small business. There is no shame in your game for wanting to focus on a passion project. You need to do what makes you happy. And unfortunately, in those avenues, it is the hardest thing in the world to get benefits They're super expensive if you don't have corporate backing and some partnership contract that's already been laid out years before you were even thought of as an employee. Like, it's so hard. And it's, I just don't get why we keep allowing ourselves, like you said, we give praise to some aspects of capitalism. And then it's like, we just turn the other cheek and we're like, well, you, you wanted it this way. You decided to not go work a nine to five. Like, Hell yeah, I decided not to go work a nine to five. Spend the same amount of time and energy working and being annoyed and like dealing with issues and concerns. Why not it be something that at least is my brainchild or something that I care about rather than knowing that, I mean, set it off. Just got on it on Netflix, you guys. I've never seen it. Great black female movie. And there's the scene where all the women are sitting smoking a blunt and Queen Latifah's drinking a 40 and she's like, y'all. my queen. She's like, you guys, the place across the street, they pay him 15 an hour. And the girls are like, what? 15 an hour? She was like, overtime is like $22.50. She's like, you'd have to pry me off the machine if you were paying me money like that. Because this is what, like the 90s that this movie is depicting. And California minimum wage is 15. Overtime is $22.50. And people still can't get by because cost of living is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys, we're like 20 to 30 years going to be celebrating the anniversary of this film. And yet they're dreaming of the minimum wage one state has while our federal minimum wage is still sitting at $7.25, $7.50. I don't even know if it's that high. I thought it was 7 I, I want to say $7.25. We'll, I, I think it might be $7.25. We'll, we'll get the actual number for it. But I mean, how depressing is that? $7.25. I don't care where you live. If you live in buttfuck nowhere, Montana, or like New York City, the federal level, you can't even double digit it for the quote unquote, one of the richest nations in the world. It just blows my mind. Um, capitalism's a joke. And I just want people to think really long and hard about who you're giving your time and energy to for them to profit off of you. Yes, you're getting a paycheck every two weeks. Yes, you may have benefits, but you pay for those benefits. That's not just some perk you get by just signing on the dotted line. Your money is being taken from your paychecks in order to supplement for you to have these services. Still got to pay a copay. Not everything is covered. So just like really think about what it is you're selling yourself for. Because that's essentially what it is. We're exchanging our bodies and our mental physical capacities for pay while someone else at the top is making 10 times more than you'll ever make in your career. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. Don't get down and out on yourself. If you do, if you are somebody who's been furloughed, laid off during this time, you know, your industry, I'm in an industry that's not coming back. I mean, at this point in time, we don't expect bars or nightlife to get any love 
or consideration until the end of 2021. And even that seems like a stretch because as Maya and I talked about previously, we both have worked in the food service industry and hospitality, and we're kind of blown away by how our measures went about years ago. Like we could only imagine just the changes that are going to be implemented moving forward for the slow of just germs and everything like that. So if you have to resort to work, just do something that, you know, isn't going to kill you physically and mentally, because I think that's really important. I don't think we talk about it enough. And I think that we keep being super negative towards people who are choosing not to go those routes because that's an important aspect for them in their life. We each have one life to live. Like you've got to do what you've got to do for yourself. Um, But I think we should also be kinder to each other too, in regards of people who aren't working, people who are in limbo, people who are trying to just do startups or passion projects, like support your people. Um, me and Maya have worked our asses off, I feel like, these last six months to support and give our money to these small businesses and avenues and resources that actually need it, that are coming from good places, that are either giving the money back into their own communities or not even keep it in their own pockets, or just to support our friends. I mean, I purchased art for Maya at the beginning of quarantine. I know so many people have been hitting her up for stuff. And it's little things like that. Like, there's nothing wrong with supporting your people. I mean... I just think it's important. And if we're going to be a part of capitalism in its entirety, then we need to start blossoming other avenues of it and uplifting our own tribes and our own communities so that everybody can eat at the same table. And it's Mm. not so, this wealth gap is ridiculous. So just be educated, do your research. Yes, our voting is crap, but I promise you, if you do your research on your local level, it's only going to improve your community and what you see around you for generations to come. And you never know, maybe we'll get lucky, Maya, and in 30 years, we'll look back and laugh at this time and be like, wow, 2020 was a joke. We'll have this podcast to listen to to hear what the fuck we had to say It'll be the perfect time machine. I can't wait to show my grandchildren like, oh, you want to know what I went through in 2020? Sit down, boo. Strap in. Here we go. I was going through it so hard that I literally had to get a mic and talk about it every week. <laughs> that was the only way um, my sanity stayed in place. I looked up the federal minimum wage. It is seven twenty-five. Okay, there we go. Also, like if you work in the service industry in a lot of states, and I know I think Florida is still like this, you get whatever you make in tips gets taken out of your minimum wage. So even though you make an hourly minimum wage, if you make more than that in tips, then you don't get a paycheck. You just get your tips. And this is why people tell you to always tip 20% when you go out to eat. Um, because waiters and bussers and bartenders paychecks can literally be negative amounts of money Mm -hmm. because of the process. More and more restaurants are trying to have higher meal prices and drink prices so that they can include tips and just distribute evenly amongst their employees it's getting a lot of flack. It doesn't seem like that system is actually doing too well in certain areas and in really high income areas, people don't seem to care. Um, But for quote unquote, normal middle-class folks, um, people seem to not be willing to want to pay 30 bucks for an entree. And those are the restaurants that typically need that money anyway. Um, So yeah, definitely tip people, even if you're doing takeout, like even a couple dollars, like this is what people live off of. Um, And we are some of those people that have lived off of that money. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to say was if you don't already follow the NAP ministry, uh, I highly suggest you follow them. Their entire platform is built around like, just take a fucking nap. (laughs) just lay the fuck down and close your eyes and just like do nothing that it's a 
black woman that runs this account. And people come at her all the time and they're like, oh, well, I work this this many jobs and like I have this many mouths to feed and all this stuff. And she's like, you're letting capitalism take over your life so much that you think that the five minutes that you spent posting this on my social media attacking me couldn't have been spent to take care of yourself. If you really want to prioritize things, every time you pick up your phone, think about like what you could be doing instead. You could literally do like a simple, I do like this breathing exercise where Mm -hmm. I do like my thumb on one nostril and then my ring finger. Mm -hmm. I do like five in, seven out. If I pick up my phone and I'm feeling really anxious that day, I'm like, why am I about to go on social media? Like, that's not going to make me feel better. Just going to heighten it. Put the phone down. (laughs) Every time you pick up your phone to like respond to a text of some negative person that you shouldn't be texting anyway, girl, just put the phone down, breathe, write something in your notes, write yourself a quick note. Say, hey, Maya, love (laughs) you. Looking great today. You're thriving. Go drink some water. Go drink your water and then get back to work. Like, it's literally that simple. If you're going to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, take a lap, and then go back to work. So take a lap. I love it. Take a lap. Because we do that normally anyways. If you've been sitting in the office, I used to finesse every reason to step outside. I'd be like, I used to go on like full 20 minute walks. Oh, I got to grab this water from down. Like I just would, and everybody knew I had no reason, but I mean, shoot, you gonna stop me? Cause if I don't do this, I might punch you in the face. I need this break. (laughs) Um, And before we go on break for our next topic, I just want to share something really quickly. I shouldn't have looked at my phone, but clearly there's a reason why I did. Um, I just posted today on Facebook that I'm giving up my opinion posts, think pieces for Facebook. It's just not good for me mentally. There's just no point anymore. Facebook is just a toxic place of like division to a T. Like you're either Mm -hmm. on one side or you're on another. It doesn't seem like there is any gray area left to be had on Facebook. I've definitely been a part of that myself, just being really upset at just posts I've seen from people. Um, And I got a comment that I'm going to share with Maya because it says, Thank you for being a voice for the people that feel the same way, but don't really know how to express it, me included. I'm loving the podcast and can't wait to hear today's episode. It'll come out tomorrow on Thursday, but I'm thankful that I looked and saw that because it just gave me a little boost right now. It's a little boost to share with Maya. And, you know, we're just excited that we're doing this and you guys are here listening to it. So thank you. I love that. I just wanted to share that little piece of goodness before we take a break. Great. All right, we're back. So I want to talk about the environment. Um, there's so many. There's so many things I can talk about right now. Like, the masiado. It's a lot. Literally everything that you do somehow contributes to the environment. And a lot of people don't. We were just talking about this. That a lot of people don't see a lot of correlations in things. So many of us live in this one little realm of our world and our perception and the three or four people who we hang out with who don't really have a different perspective. And so we aren't seeing a lot of correlations or like intersections in a lot of work. And I really want to talk about the environment because the environment and racial justice is a huge intersection that not enough people are talking about. And there's a lot of people of color that have to do the work in the environmental area who don't come from privileged backgrounds and are really just there because they see the impact that it makes in their community. It's really not up to us to fix everything. Like we have done so much free labor for so long. 
And so one of the things that I really want to talk about is like this wildfire thing. Last, oh my gosh, that wasn't even last year. That was at the beginning of this year, right? The Australian fires? Australian fires was beginning of this year. The, uh, you're thinking about the wine country fires from last year. That No, happened. I was thinking about Australia. No, yeah, I'm saying like the wine country ones ended our yes. year and then we immediately went into Australia and now we're in California. So yeah, your timeline is right. Okay, but that's crazy because I was like, oh yeah, last year, I thought it was like two years ago. I don't know. Mm-mm. But anyway, I didn't know much about wildfires until I moved to California and realized that there's a fire season. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Because I was used to like hurricanes, right? Because I moved from the East Coast and, you know, hurricanes are a very normal thing. The weather is more tropical. So they're actually able to form on that coast. And so when I moved here and I realized that there was fires, I think it was in 2007 that we had to, that was the first time that I had experienced having to evacuate, leave my house, didn't know what we're going to do. It really like puts in perspective that everything is so temporary. A natural disaster could literally come and you could just be houseless the next day. So like nothing is guaranteed. And that really like, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, because I mean, we had only lived here for a couple years at that time. I was like, California is wild. So when I started to see when I lived in the Bay Area that there was this very common occurrence of like, these big fires were happening, neighborhoods are being wiped out, people are losing their crops um, in wine country or like in the middle of the country or in the middle of the state um, where they grow most of our food. I was like, why is it that we can't do something about this. So when the fires happened in Australia, I actually started researching because I was seeing articles about the aboriginals. And I was like, why are the aboriginals being brought up in this conversation? And that's when I learned about indigenous fire burning practices. And basically because California has a certain type of vegetation that grows here naturally, the natives used to actually help reclaim the soil and put, you know, minerals back into it that naturally come from fire. But they would like do it in a very controlled way in very specific environments. They knew exactly what to do and how to do it. And because we wiped out all of the natives almost, um, and they live, you know, on reservations or like very specific land, we no longer have these fire burning practices. And so because of fire suppression, especially in California, because of the type of wildlife that grows here and inhabits this area, we are now getting yearly fires. And that's not normal. If we had done it the right way, Mm -hmm. we would not have this problem. Yes. And so I didn't realize that that was even a thing until the Australia fires happened. And they were like, yeah, the aboriginals are you know, protesting and talking about how because they were displaced from their land, now Australia is suffering because they don't know how to take care of this land. Like, this isn't their land. It was just crazy to me. So I was just, like, reading through this post about fire suppression and the different types of wildlife that grows um, invasive grasses. So basically, like, California was a really wet place, and that's why we have, like, so many hills and, like, the rolling hills of California mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And after colonization... Um, And this happened in most of the country where a lot of the crops that were grown here and a lot of the vegetation that grew naturally in the country, colonizers came and like took plots of land and grew what they wanted to grow, which was not meant to be grown on that land. And so now a lot of our native crops like are no longer existing here and they actually directly interfere with the ecosystem of the country. 
So like when we see things like this, you know, this global pandemic that we're happening, there's like two hurricanes in the South right now, just wiping through part of the country. Mm -hmm. People have been talking about climate change for so long. Like, do you remember, was it back in like 2001 where, uh, what's his face who like ran for president against Bush? Or? Yeah, Al Gore made that. Um, I think he has a Nobel Peace Prize for all. Yeah, he made that documentary and everybody was like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. There's been so many people who have been fighting against this cause for so long. And indigenous people have been telling us since day one. It's not even just that y'all wiped us out, tried to kill us with your diseases, took our land. On top of that, you're directly displacing the wildlife the crops that grow here, everything that naturally occurs in the ecosystem of North America has been wiped out. And now we're suffering because of it. And like these things, people thinking that we're going to like go back to some quote unquote normal is not realistic because climate change is the cause of a lot of these things. It's way easier to spread diseases when you don't have a safe environment for those things to like get wiped out. Exactly. Diseases will naturally die out if the environment is safe. Yep. But if you're living in a world where everything outside is red because of fires and like everybody has to stay in enclosed spaces, disease is going to spread like crazy. Yeah. They thrive in chaotic environments. That's literally it's yeah. So yeah, keep going. Yeah. So this idea that people have of like a new normal, like this is your new normal. We decided for so long that we were going to not give a shit about the environment and that like we were just going to live our lives and not worry about how that affects people. And now the earth is fighting back. So when I said earlier, this is possibly the beginning of human extinction, I really fucking mean that. No, and it's... and. It's gotten to the point where, like you said, how could we have not cared when people have been bringing this up for, we're now approaching almost 30 years, at least since the 2000s have started, where, I mean, we're in 20 years, but I just mean like, that's just the longevity. I mean, that's almost my entire life. It's almost your entire life. Mm -hmm. I've said time and time again, walking outside every summer, the sun feels hotter. I know it doesn't make sense. I know I sound stupid when I say it, but you know what I mean. And whoever I'm next to is always like, no, you're probably just like over-exaggerating and being traumatic. Like, it's just hot. And I'm like, I know hot. I grew up in the desert. I know hot. I've spent summers in Texas. I know hot. Like, I know Florida humidity. I know Mm -hmm. humidity. I know dry heat. It is hot. And you lived here when we had those really bad summers in San Jose. No one's air conditioning was working. If you didn't even have air conditioning, you were... There was no point in showering for the day because it was like we showered, we stepped outside, and we would just drip. That's not normal. 300 days of sunshine is normal, but 105 degree summers, and not even summers from like what, May to September is not normal. Girl, it's September, and I was in, I was at my best friend's house this weekend, and it is further east so it does it's like 10 degrees hotter than it is like where I live in San Diego but it was 117 degrees I was like that's not normal it was 110 in Antioch this weekend and I just kept sweating there was nothing I could do to stop no matter how much water I drank to hydrate nothing mattered this Mm -hmm. isn't normal 
And like you said, I don't know what's going to take people to, I don't know. And isn't it interesting how the next generation behind us gets a lot of flack for trying to be socially responsible in regards to the climate because they're like, you handed us a planet. No one asked to be born. Let's make that very freaking clear. People are born because you're selfish and you want to have children. It's as simple as that. For whatever reason it is you have, it's still a selfish personal reason. So if you are going to have children and you're going to not do your part to do whatever you can to ensure there's a better future for them, what is the point of you producing kids? I don't understand it. Because if you're not going to care about your carbon footprint, if you're not going to care about composting, if you're not going to care about learning about the native land that Maya just spoke on and why vegetation prospers when it does, like what? What are we doing? Yeah, there's actually, um, there's a now Supreme Court case that I've been following years and years. And it's literally a bunch of youths who, when they started, were very young. And they're now all 16 to 18. And they're literally suing the government for reparations because of climate change. You left purposefully a world that we are no longer going to be able to inhabit. You left that for future generations. The thing that people don't realize is, yeah, you can do all those things. You can learn about composting. You can recycle. Those are small, if you, small yeah, things. If, yeah, if you're a black or brown person, I guarantee you've been recycling since the beginning of time because I have a specific way that my grandmother taught me how to fold and um, wrap bags mm-hmm. so that they're in these perfect little triangles and we keep them in a cookie jar. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our plastic like sandwich bags, we wash them in the sink. We let them dry out. We reuse them. We use everything like oil. You fry stuff, you save, you sift it and you save it in a jar and then you use it the next time you fry. We've all been doing this for a long time, partially because we've been poor. We have no generational wealth. But like, these are just practices that have been handed down to us for many generations of conserving things, caring about the earth, having a connection to the environment. Like those are ancient, ancient practices. People think that, oh, I don't have to do anything because it's these big corporations, but it's going to take every single one of us. And I understand, and I know that these big corporations and the government who has decided we're going to use fossil fuels, we're going to mine oil. Um, we're going to use coal, all of these things, instead of using renewable resources that we have very openly available to us, which are not going to exist anymore. They made those decisions without thinking of the consequences. And it's not like this conversation is new. There have been environmental activists and indigenous people fighting for the land and like even politicians who were like, we should try to, you know, make some laws around greener practices who have been completely shut down by other politicians. It's like, this is not a new argument. People have consciously made the decision to not care about the environment because they're like, oh, it's not my job. And I'm like, you're literally leaving a worse world for everybody else. And on top of that, you may live through some of the worst years on this earth because you decided 20 years ago, you didn't want to vote for certain things or you didn't want to throw your stuff away or think about how you were purchasing things and how your purchasing power impacts the environment. It's truly wild to me because, and it's like you said, people are just choosing not to care just because it doesn't greatly affect you. And this brings us into situations like Flint, where it's been, what, three or four years now, where we have an entire generation of kids who have- Since 2013, it's 2020. It's been, like, almost eight years. 2013, Jesus Christ. And, like, we have an entire generation of kids with- Little Miss Flint has literally grown up, like, in front of our eyes. She's, like, I want to say 16 now. 
Mm. And then I think about different cities with like certain plants in their cities and how cancer has been emitted through the ground and the air for generations. And people are wondering why single towns, these rural towns, people are dying by the dozens. And after 20 years, it ends up being half of a city. There's all these things happening, but since because it's not happening in your city or your backyard, you don't care because people aren't yelling about it on social media enough times for it to finally grace your presence on your screen. You don't care. And it gets really, I mean, it's just like the social justice fight. Like how loud do people have to yell about something in order for the masses to stand up and realize this is something that affects all of us. I find it interesting how the elitist folks who pride themselves on old money and generational wealth and passing on to their future generations seem to like not advocate more for a longevity of a planet that they're setting up their families to never have to worry about financially, but then like environmentally, it just seems to kind of not be. I'm it's like a personality. Almost thing. sure <laughs> that all those people have underground bunkers and like yeah. supplies that safe houses they would somehow be able to like still survive because they have so much generational wealth um and i'm glad you brought that up too of like these whole cities so my first class in college that i ever actually gave a shit about was my environmental class okay and i was a junior i was literally like a year away from graduating and i was like finally a class that i actually care about it was the first time ever in all whatever 15 years that i had been in school okay and I was like, this is so crazy that these things are happening. And they showed us this chart, this graphic of Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And they showed redlining and how the neighborhoods that are always going to get hit by floods, hurricanes, natural disasters, are always going to be black and brown neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. How they purposefully move people out of their neighborhoods, how they purposefully give out loans in specific neighborhoods so that environmental impact will not affect white people. Literal colonization for you folks. And people don't want to believe it. They act like it's some outlandish thing to say. And I promise you, if you've just spent 10 minutes on Google, it's right there for you. There's literal proof. There's a reason why... Houston is what Houston is. No matter how much Houston rebuilds and becomes this like forward progressive city, they can never actually get there because as soon mm -hmm. as hurricane season hits, they have to just start all over again. What's the biggest demographic? Like, and this, yeah. I just don't understand how we allow these things. My, like when you hear them and you realize that this is the way things have been like before we were even here and then to hear that they've just been continued. I don't know how people don't get angry. Because I'm like, you're literally just devaluing our lives. Like, it doesn't matter where you're at in this country. Being black and brown is just such a fucking hindrance. Like, y'all can go first. Like, who the hell are you to just say that I just don't matter? Like, why do we keep circling back to that? It drives me crazy. Yeah. I actually just got angry right now because I just don't get it. I know. Sorry that I upset you. Um, no, not you. It's but it's of the matter. No, I literally, and I talked to my mom. I'm I'm trying to teach her a lot of things that I know because I spend a lot of time researching and reading and talking to people. Like I love hearing people's stories and like listening to podcasts and things like that. So I just have all this knowledge of the things that I care about, which is always going to be environmental and social issues because those things are so intertwined. Um, and 
I always tell her, I'm like, if I told you everything that I knew and I gave you all the charts and graphs and, you know, infographics and photos and all this stuff that I know and learned about, you would be angry like me all the time. Yes. It's just like right under the surface. I'm just constantly angry. It's crazy. Um, Because I feel like we've just been set up for failure. Mm -hmm. It does feel like that sometimes. And that's why I think we do have to talk about capitalism being a contributor, but also kind of a way out because I always used to be like, I, you know, I'm very anti-capitalistic. I don't really value, you know, having property or owning a home or, you know, having material wealth. And one day my sister was like, I want to have a house so that when I'm ready to move into a different house, I can rent out to people who can't afford, you know, normally to live in this neighborhood. Like, I don't need the money if I already have a house. Like, my parents own this house. Yeah. So she's like, I can always move into this house. But if I buy property on my own and let another family that really needs it and could, like, benefit from the school district, the neighborhood, the groceries that are in the area. That's why I want that form of wealth. She's like, land is such an important part of our history in this country. So if I own property, that sets up some sort of generational wealth for black and brown communities because I can do whatever I want with that land. If I want to rent to multiple people, if I want to rent out to one big family that really needs it, I can do that. I have the ability. So why wouldn't I? When she said it to me, I was like, damn, that's true. Yeah, we talk about that in our home, me and my boyfriend, because we, we're always trying to think about, okay, what are the next like five to 10 years going to look like realistically? Like, what are our goals? And I've always said, I've always wanted property and land that I own so that the family I do start that hopefully does expand always has a, a base. I just, mm-hmm. I really believe strongly in like a family base. That was really popular thing to do in the olden days when money was worked a little bit differently and you could buy 20 acres, um, you owned that land. That was your family land. And like generations went through that house and people just took turns taking care of it. That's my idea. Mm-hmm. And then my boyfriend has always had the idea of buying a duplex or being able to buy a block of houses. Yeah. You know, just like what your sister said, renting it out to our family, friends that have kids that need to catch a break, or just like you said, just to any family who just needs to catch a break. If you're able to be, you know, a good moral person who's not like these other trash landlords out here where you're just financing their life, there's so many ways to go around it. I mean, my parents got burned. They rented out our Texas house when we first moved here. And, you know, those white people that rented it tore our shit up. So, I mean, there's always risk, but when you think about it in that grand scheme of things of helping others and providing that avenue for a family to just be better and do better. Sounds good to me. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is veganism and capitalism. I think that a lot of people use the argument of being a vegan as, oh, I'm helping the environment by eating vegetables or like plant-based diet or whatever. First of all, I have never seen anything more living than a plant. And I understand like in some places and cultures and like my dad has been a vegetarian his entire life. He's never eaten meat. 
He doesn't get near me. We're not allowed to cook beef in the house. And I respect that. And I totally get why. And beef is really, really bad for the environment because of the methane emissions. But this idea of guilting people into being plant-based because you're white and you have the money and the capital and the privilege to buy whatever food you want and go to Whole Foods and spend hundreds of dollars a week on your plant-based diet, check yourself. A lot of people can't afford that. A lot of people, because of capitalism, don't have access to resources. Like we just were talking about redlining. People live in food deserts. People live in areas that they were specifically pushed to that have one grocery store that sells only prepackaged frozen meals and that's all they can eat. And otherwise they have to spend money on gas to drive 25 miles to the next grocery store, which still doesn't have a lot of options. This is literally how people live in this country. So thinking that like being vegan is the way to save things or you're somehow better than other people when people literally can't go to a grocery store that even has the options that you have. I definitely want to dive into that because if people just were smart enough to do the research, like they'd be mind blown with what's out there, like the hard work that people put into educating us on these things. Even as simple as going on Netflix and watching a food documentary can give you so much information. There's a butcher somewhere in Europe, I forget the actual country, but butchering is his family lineage. This is all that, you know, the last name. You know who they are, mm-hmm. generations. And he talks about growing up poor, even though they were butchers. He's like, everyone buys meat. Everyone wants expensive parts of meat. But yeah, my family was still poor because, you know, you're just poor. And we eat the eyes and the snouts and the ears and the toes and all the things you don't want. Makes great because, soup. Right. And they're like, so he grew up appreciating all aspects because even though they were butchers, his father and grandfather and everybody always instilled This is a gift from the earth. These animals will populate regardless of our interference or not. So if you're going to take them and use them for nourishment of your body and for nutrients, use every part of it. You bless it. You thank it for its contribution, for what it did, for just the cycle of life. And then you, you know, you do it in a clean cut way. You use everything you can so that Mm -hmm. you're not wasting And this concept has been completely turned around for mass production and capitalism and consumerism, which is why it's so bad. It's it's not supposed to be that bad to eat pork if we weren't using pork in the way that we use it today. This man feeds his pigs chocolates and berries because he's like, if you just feed your animals good things, you'll taste it. You're not eating this animal shit manufactured feed that's going to give you thighs twice the size that they're supposed to be because these steroids are freaking insane. There are people out there in the world who are doing morally right things that are conscious for our planet in regards to eating meat, which makes me mad at the whole like veganism guilt trip. Because if you must eat meat, there are some people who just, you know, I'm allergic to tomatoes and avocados because of how people have been growing them for the last decade. I can't eat them. I get rashes inside my mouth. I can't even trust now like getting my stuff from organic farmers because they're still processing their soil, their fertilizer, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. to the point where my body is literally telling me inside of my mouth, you cannot have this. We do not need this here. So it's like I could still... 
I've gone the vegetarian route multiple times throughout my life just to be healthier and like kickstart better things. And then boom, that happens. So it pisses me off because it is elitist. Whole Foods, this whole Amazon bullshit of like your prime membership grants you discounts. So I've got to pay you $100 a year to get a discount at a grocery store on things that shouldn't be the price they are anyways. You're trying to manipulate the fuck out of me into thinking that me giving you my money and I'm just giving it all to you now. So now Bezos is not only getting your Amazon membership, your money from what you're buying him. He's also getting your grocery store money on top of that. Like, come on, people, just open your eyes real quick. Like, have you noticed the boom in coronavirus of all of the people growing their own plants? Mm -hmm. I'm like, are we doing that because we're being conscious or because you just want to have a green thumb and like yeah or just because you're able to do it yeah because you have the funds to go to home depot and build a garden it's not easy or cheap to build a garden and maintain it mm-hmm. that's also people are like just grow your own plants there's a reason why it's so much cheaper to get a meal at mcdonald's than to get a salad at mcdonald's there's a reason why a yep. mcdonald's salad is 1200 calories for a salad and a combo is 800 there's a reason for this, you guys. And just like Maya said with the redlining and things, there's a reason why they try out the worst possible concoctions for fast food and these like ho-bunk middle of buttfuck nowhere towns with a bunch of people who don't care about their health and diet, who are so excited that the double down from KFC is back because it's their favorite freaking item. And they're just killing themselves at the benefit of capitalism. Like it all ties in together. I know I went off on like different tangents, but like it all ties in together. If you it does. It, don't shame people for eating meat, especially if people are smart enough and aware enough to know where they're getting their meat from, to know their butcher. You guys can like know the people you buy your stuff from. It's not hard it's to just- the farmer's it. market. <laughs> Literally, it's not hard to have a conversation with the people you want to get your food from. There's food services now that will literally ship you vegetables from Africa. Yeah, you might pay 30, 50 bucks in shipping, but you're getting freaking fruits and vegetables from the mainland. Like- There's just all these different avenues. So I don't know how we get around our diet without like shaming each other and not realizing the capitalistic aspect of it and like getting on people for choosing to like, it's fine if you eat fast food if you're skinny, right? And if you're pretty, but you got to roll on your body and someone sees you eating a burger. It's like, you don't care about yourself. You have no idea like what that person I mean, shit, what did we just watch Um, on Netflix? That football show. There's a homeless kid going from Antioch to Laney College for his football career who has like five dollars in his account what do you think he can afford the Wendy's fucking dollar menu that's what he can afford Mm -hmm. and he's a top tier athlete who's trying to get a scholarship so that he can actually have his education paid for and a roof over his head and that's how he's got to live his life he can't get food stamps doesn't qualify I just don't get it yeah people just need to really put things in perspective and realize you're not the only person living and white people this is like veganism is actually something that our people have been practicing for a long time no it's africans did not eat meat the way that it's produced and eaten in their country now um even india like they they eat chicken there now just simply because of capitalism because they never ate meat before. I also read this book a while ago by Michael Pollan. It's called The Omnivore's Dilemma. It's a really good book. 
it's long. He's from Berkeley and he writes, he's a really good author. Um, he, he really like went in depth in this book of like going to multiple farms and like talking to different people. He did the McDonald's things where like he went and got his burger and his wife got a salad and he compared, you know, the calories and the prices and was like, this is crazy. And afterwards he was like, I don't feel full. So he goes to this farm in the middle of nowhere. I can't remember where. And he talks to this farmer. He actually contacted the man prior to going to the farm and said, will you send me one of your steaks? Everyone says it's like the best meat in the country, like the most fresh meat, whatever. And he was like, I don't ship my meat anywhere. Like you have to come here and get the meat. I'm not going to do that. So this man literally like has this farm and he has a certain amount of land where he continually moves the animals and the crops according to like the season and how they naturally move and shift everything's open and like he has all the animals there so that they fertilize the land naturally right eat the crops and the weeds and the things that you know that doesn't need to be there right and then they move on to the next plot of land and the pigs come and eat like all the trash stuff right like all the bugs and like the gross things that no one else eats but pigs And so it's this very natural ecosystem. And he's like, I don't sell anything other than from people coming here to me because they know about my farm or me going to the farmer's market, which is five miles away. This food is fresh. It's this own ecosystem. I'm not going to fuck up my environment and my ecosystem and hinder the work that I've been doing my whole life just so that you can do some research for your book. So he makes the author go to his farm and he stays there for like two weeks and watches how he does this process. This is how food is supposed to be grown. There's nothing wrong with a certain diet. No. There's nothing wrong with eating meat. There's nothing wrong with being fully plant-based. But are you actually doing it in a conscious way? Because probably not. Exactly. And that's what gets my gears grinded is because people love to have opinions on it without it actually coming from the right. I love to just be loud and say nothing. Yes, you're just judging and talking with a megaphone. You ain't saying shit. Like, let's call it what it is. And it's just wild to me because, like we said, this mass production, this capitalistic world. And here's the thing about capitalism in regards to the environment. And just in general with capitalism, you've got to manipulate it for your own benefit. That's why people are so prosperous with this avenue that, has been forced upon us. I mean, I remember talking about getting a Prius and just getting so much shit for it for like ugh, a Prius. And I was like, but if that's one small thing I can do for how often, again, I was going to do it three, four hours a day in a car in traffic. Why would I want to do that in a car that's making things worse for the environment when this little thing of me doing this, you know what I'm saying? It's also it's more like, cost efficient. And it's just like the stigma that was behind that. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know we all, Elon is problematic as shit. He's doing a lot of dumbass shit, but like. He's just a colonizer from South Africa, so. But like, if we were all driving electric cars because they were affordable and they really were, we should have already been doing jets and shit. Like, hello, people, it's 2020. Is that not weird to you that we're not doing jets and shit? It's being withheld on purpose. Exactly. Like, And that goes environments level and capitalism. Like our earth should be thriving so much more as a whole. Look at countries in Asia. Look at what Japan is doing to their infrastructure. They're literally implementing greenhouses, natural greenhouses on their highways, where like certain cities, 
you don't even really see concrete because they made sure ivy was going to grow so that naturally their whole atmosphere system could work as its own ecosystem and benefit people so that they didn't have to be, you know, wearing masks from bad air quality because Mm -hmm. they value towers over, you know, so it's just... And that's like just one of the ways in which people who don't live in Eurocentric societies often have to compromise and adapt. Realistically, if the sea level keeps rising and climate change continues to flourish as it's been doing for the past few decades, um, Japan will no longer exist. It's an island. It's a bunch of islands. Like they will go underwater. I'm like, people don't think that's not going to happen for San Francisco and Manhattan. They don't just show these things in the movies to just like be a part of a plot. These are things that have been predicted by scientists for generations upon generations if shit does not change. We've literally foreseen this entire planet just going underwater or completely catching on fire. And And like the indigenous people told y'all when you came here, they knew, they'd been new. Because I don't know what the problem was because I know some indigenous people were kind enough or either forced to teach some things to some people. So I don't know if it just got lost in translation over generations, if the motives changed, if it just like turned into some like, okay, yeah, I know you told me this was how we should cultivate this to make it last longer, but I figured out this way and yeah, it kills it quicker. But I mean, I get money faster. Well, yeah, that's smart. Let's just do that. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what happened. They were like, we, I mean, they consciously made the decision, like, we are going to go into this land. We're going to take over as much land as possible. Because when they came and landed and realized that there was people here, they didn't care. They were like, no, we want to go all the way west. They made that decision to go all the way west, regardless of what people lived there. And so now, like, Black and Indigenous people specifically, because, I mean, they've been on this land as long as the colonizers, right? Yeah. Um, now those people are the people that live in food deserts and don't have adequate nutrition and like have the worst health problems. Like it was all done on purpose. They wanted to wipe us out. Like that was very intentional. We just have refused to die. <laughs> That's legitimately what it is. Um, and it's not because we're cockroaches. It's because we were here first. We understand mother planet better than anyone because we were the first people to be here. No matter what you believe, I really could give a damn what you believe in, what your religion is being shoved down your throat to believe in. Black and indigenous people saw it all, felt it all, experienced it all, cultivated it all. And I don't know, just no respect, just no, you know, morality. Basically, there's so many things you can do. We mentioned a bunch of small steps earlier in regards to like the composting and carbon footprints. Um, I've taken it upon myself recently to try to use public transportation as much as possible because I live really close to a light rail station. Um, Our tax dollars pay for the upkeep of public transportation. If you live in California, most metropolitan cities, all of their public transportation has been transformed to either electric or hybrid in order to help the community. Um, Like there's universities like Stanford, when I worked there for a hot second, all of their vehicles are electric. Like they have committed that city into trying to do, it's a problematic city still, it's still very elitist. There's a reason why those things are happening there because you can make it happen. But if we can find a way to get the people in power to realize that these are important things, like you guys can write letters, you can send emails and phone calls to your local jurisdictions to be like, this is an important issue. You know, it is there's 
X amount of people who also care about it and we would like it to be a topic of discussion, ABC. Com uh, composting is great if you're a wasteful person. I know some people are just trying to do what they can to be more conscious of waste. Uh, recycling is really important. Our apartment complex here, people don't even know the difference between recycling and trash. They just throw it in whichever one they feel like. It really makes me upset. I don't even get me started on animals and just like our, I don't know, cause and effects. I mean, yeah. what? Well, I mean, even just human beings, like hu actual living people, their job is to go through your recycling bin. So when you throw random shit in there, like glass, like you're directly endangering somebody's entire livelihood like they're that's people's jobs is to go through your recycling the reason why a lot of people like to complain about like oh even if i throw it in there it's not going to be properly recycled is because human beings are the ones doing it so there is going to be a large margin for error because like we have to do that ourselves even though you don't see it there's literal people that go through your recycling and i just yeah i mean there's so many things we can all do. There's so many things that need to be done. We can't just leave it up to this next generation of teenagers who are like bold enough <laughs> and brave enough to kind of like, you know. They're only that way because they've been forced to be that way. Like I see these kids that like my sister works with and like yeah. they are fighting for so many causes. And like these kids are 16 and 17. I'm tired and I'm like not even 10 years older than you. Like I'm exhausted. I don't know how they have the energy I hope that they don't burn out like they're so passionate they're so smart they're so smart like I've and never seen more innovative people I believe in the next generation I don't feel like they even had childhoods I feel like they just like once they were aware of what was going on it was like okay but we've got to do everything we can to fix it and it's not fair it's it's our responsibility to take care of each other I don't know where that got lost I don't know when that concept became taboo but like, if you can't care about your community at large, it's not just your friends. It's not just your small little family group. People, like you guys have to branch out and start to actually give a damn about the community at large. Because I guarantee you, when shit hits the fan and you're looking to your left and your right and you're looking for someone to help you, it's gonna be somebody that you probably should have already been helping. And when they don't wanna like reach back out to you to pull their hand out, like that's karma just coming for you because where were you? Just keep those things in mind. Yeah. Because seriously, you get what you receive. And we owe this planet so much for being put here. Like, this planet should be light years beyond what it is. We should have already discovered so many amazing things that this planet could have done because we were just smart and innovative and respectful. But here we are trying to do the bare minimum to... Here we are. So what else you got for us, girl? Um, I just have one post that I want to share. And I'm going to like probably repost it because it's a bunch of different quotes, but um, at the end it says how to help as a vegan or vegetarian. Boom. And um, it says acknowledge your privilege regarding locality, food access, and position in society before offering up suggestions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Google is your friend. Mm -hmm. Actively work to restore indigenous food sovereignty by supporting tribes in preserving their land and traditional ways. Yes. Send food or create co-ops that are inclusive and accessible to Black, Indigenous, people of color. Yes. There's things like um, neighborhood fridges that they have started yes. where people just like, you know, put their fresh groceries. Like if you see one or you hear of one somewhere near you and you have privilege and access and you can drive and bring some groceries there for people who can't afford fresh food, do that. Um, work to dismantle capitalistic systems that monopolize the food industry. Continue to focus on harm reduction, not contributing to lateral violence via shaming and victim blaming. 
I love all of that. Yeah. And then my last quote is from Kima Neves, who I guess works with Terra Incognita. And she said, industrialization and capitalism are the ultimate culprits that give way to negative ecological impacts, animal mistreatment, and unethical agricultural practices. It is colonialism that has displaced thousands of tribes off their traditional homelands, deprived them of their traditional food sources, and replaced those sources with government-appointed rations such as lard and flour. It is colonialism that denies indigenous people on reservations adequate nutrition and offers food at astronomical prices. So think about that next time you want to shame somebody for not being vegan or vegetarian or following the diet that you have the privilege and access to follow. Seriously, because if I could tell you how sick and tired I am of like fitness people just like talking shit about everyone who's not on some like regimen i'm just like that's so fantastic that you have the money for a membership and your protein powders and your bcas and all the shit you need to maintain your body and feed your muscles what they need so that you can go and live your fabulous life looking exactly how you want if you want to send your money to other people so they can do that you should probably do that instead of charging you know 400 500 for your services or whatever the fuck i mean it is what it is but you know that's it guys yeah we know today was a big one. We're actually probably going to be coming at you guys kind of heavy, I guess, for these next few weeks as we round out. Yeah. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have, I guess when we end, we'll do something fun, I guess, as we end as like a... We might record like a fun little, you know, 10-minute yeah, we'll check-in, catch-up kind of lighthearted thing for the end of the season. Um, I also, just like one quick thing before we go is... I want to tell people about another podcast, which is Raices Verdes, which is a BIPOC environmental podcast. I've been following these stories for a long time where it's basically just a platform that they talk about the environmental impacts on BIPOC and how all of these issues kind of tie together. I'm not an expert, but these people very much are experts in this arena. So definitely go and give that podcast a listen and I will post them on the story when we put this episode up so that you guys can listen to them. Yay, yay. All right. We'll talk to y'all later.